In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everyone, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming to you from Toronto, Canada. We're Atlanta United, lost a game, the Shield, and the top seed in the East with a abject, horrible performance and a 4-1 loss to a Toronto team uh, that has long been eliminated from the playoffs. A friend of mine texted me before a player interview started who doesn't know soccer and asked if there was a football phrase for basically uh, messing the bed because that's kind of what it looked like tonight from Atlanta United, and they really didn't disagree after the game. I'm joined, uh, as always, by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and Soccer Down Here. And our guest, as he has been a few times this year, is Mike Conti, who we're here calling the game and trying to put a positive spin on <laughs> no, something no, that no, 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 wasn't no, going to be easy no, to no, put no, a spin no, on. No, I've, no. Got a, I've got a positive spin. It wasn't as bad as Houston. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now we call it like we see it. Um, look, it, it, it's striking to me, you know, Jason brings up Houston, the symmetry of this season that Atlanta United ends the regular season in very much the same way that they began it, uh, giving up four goals to a not-very-good team on the road. Uh, this was shocking. And I think what shocked me the most, Doug, was I don't know if they were nervous, tight, flat, or a combination of all three, uh, but you give up a goal nine minutes in on a, I, I don't know what Jeff Lorenowitz was exactly trying to do, you give up another goal, a goal eleven minutes later, and I don't know what McCann was I, doing on that play. Yeah, I, I don't know. If McCann was playing hurt. I mean, it, he was subbed out very soon after that. Um, I just, I am stunned that with so much on the line, so much put by the club into this match, that that's how they would come out and play in the first twenty minutes of the match. They played a lot better after. I do think the the score line, as it was in Houston. If you look at the expected goals in Houston, maybe a tad misleading, but Toronto outplayed them, no doubt about it. I, I'll get into this a little bit more in a minute, but this result didn't surprise me that much. But I want to hear Jason's thoughts first. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as hung up on the scoreline of it because you have to look at how things happened. Toronto takes a 2-0 lead, second half. Atlanta plays better in the start of the second half. The 3-5-2 has to be the shape going forward. I, I think the team just looks so much more comfortable in it. It looked better. You get one back. You're having. You have to risk everything at that point because the third goal means nothing to you. You get exposed and you give it up, and then you're done. I don't like the last one at all because it felt like everybody just completely quit when it got to three-one. You did have a goal that was a, a difficult decision. I don't think they, the referees necessarily got it wrong in the way VAR was used or not used because I don't know if it was a clear and obvious error. My question would be who was offside according to the AR. His positioning would indicate Gressel, but Gressel was nowhere near offside. 
Joseph was borderline, but is borderline clear and obvious? We all know how that goes. It it was a bad performance from the start. You did get a response in the second half, but you're chasing the game at that point. And when you get into the postseason, you can't give up the first goal. We talked you know, records with first goal scored all season long. And, I mean, it's obvious. You score the first goal, you have a massive advantage. Atlanta can't come out flat to start postseason matches like they did today. The, the obvious question after the game was if Gerardo Martino's decision announced by the club on Tuesday to not extend his contract beyond this season affected not only him and the players. Michael Parkhurst flatly said, no, it didn't. Brad Guzan said, no, nobody came to play today. It was a shocking performance. Martino said that for the past few weeks, the team has kind of lost its footballing way. I asked him, well, that kind of coincides with the rumors about Mexico. Hmm. Do you think that the timing is consequential? And he said, well, I can't answer that. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think anyone's looking ahead to next season. But anyway, you got to think that it did, um, simply because it's human nature. But anyway, the result, the, the fact that Atlanta United lost tonight didn't surprise me because, though the reasons are very different, you go back and you look at their past road games against tough opponents, D.C. United, New York Red Bulls, Dallas, a game they had won, and they just haven't played well. I, th- I think that Dallas loss may be the ghost that's haunted them in these other road games against the good teams. I don't, I don't think that. I, I think the Dallas match on the road, you did what you had been doing most of the season in controlling the game until the very end. That was an aberration. What's been difficult today more than any other was you didn't control the match against a team that you absolutely should have. D.C. was playing in great form. There was back-and-forth control in that game. It wasn't as bad as this to me. Red Bulls is Red Bulls are the Supporters' Shield winners. They're a very difficult team to beat at their place. They have a style that's very disruptive. Atlanta had some moments. If they'd gotten an early goal, it's a different story. They didn't. Tonight, in the biggest match in your club's history... You never had control of the match. That's what scares me because that's why Atlanta was so good on the road this season. They didn't ever look like they were out of control. Tonight they did. I want to go back to your point about how you think the – I hope I'm summarizing you correctly, Doug. You're saying the loss of their footballing way may in fact coincide with the the rumors about Tata that became fact. Am I summarizing that correctly? Yes. I think their loss of footballing way, and this is something that I haven't even talked to Jason about yet, so we might have a debate, may have actually started in Orlando on August 24th. Hmm. They did not play all that great in that match. They did win, uh, but I don't think they had full 90-minute control of that match by any stretch, and Brad Guzan had to make the save of the year to keep that from being a draw. Then you go to D.C., you lose 3-1. Jason is right. 3-1 3-1 maybe a little bit misleading, but you still lose. You go to Colorado, they stink. You should have lost to San Jose. Right. Okay? You come back dominant against Real Salt Lake, but then, you know, the Red Bull loss, New England 2-1 had control, Chicago a choppy 2-1, not good today 4-1. So I actually think this started long before the rumors started about Tata. And I, I think we need to keep in mind that 
every team has ebbs and flows to a season. Look at Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle is second in the West. They got a bye. They were dead and buried when they came into Atlanta for the World Cup final uh, on that day. You know, Portland was going to win the Shield. They barely squeak into the playoff now as five. Galaxy's on fire, and then they fade off today. So, you know, I think there are ebbs and flows to every season. I think Atlanta United, frankly, is in a little bit of a valley right now. I feel they played their best soccer from early March through probably the lost to SKC. I think that's when they played their best soccer of the year. They had another jolt after Dallas and Philadelphia, really going through that Orlando match that I talked about. They're in a valley right now. So can they pull themselves together for a two-leg playoff where they're going to have to start on the road, maybe up at Yankee Stadium? I mean, you're, you're going to have to get at least a draw at Yankee Stadium if you want to go on and get another crack at Red Bulls. And, I, you know, who knows if they can do that right now. There's another thing that coincided with that Orlando game, uh, if my memory serves. And that was well. Scott Sutter had a great goal in that match. You're right, Doug. You, you are right. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that would be Ezekiel Barco's. Uh, oh, I, I, I honestly wasn't I even thinking of that. He came back the next week, I think. Or that's when the, the suspension started at Montreal, and then it was a it, happened. it was a three game. Yeah, it, but it was. I don't think it was Montreal. I think it was DC, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think that was the so, last game. Orlando City. Anyway, I want to talk about Barco. So that was a 4 a.m. to that. I don't think that he's built for Major League Soccer. After watching him struggle, I think struggle again tonight. I don't think he's fast enough to beat defenders one-on-one, and I don't think he's big enough to, to out-muscle them. I'm, I don't really have anything to say because I think what a lot of people are expecting from Ezekiel Barco is not what he is. I think right now in this team he's a complimentary player. You didn't really want to spend $15 million for a complimentary player, but you had the pieces for him to be a complimentary player. When you don't have Miguel Almiron, you need more. Today, I would have liked to have seen more from him in the middle of the field. I think on the wing in the 4-2-3-1, it didn't work. The 3-5-2 with him as a 10, I would have liked to have seen more of that. We saw it for a little while in the second half. I think the thing about Barco, when he goes off on his dribbling runs, and this is something I want to go back and look more at because I noticed it today, when he takes off with the ball and the dribble, he does move defenders around. He does create opportunities. The problem is there's no movement from this team when Barco's on the dribble. Everyone is flat, and I don't know if that's Barco not following instructions in terms of wanting to move the ball quicker with the pass or if they don't know where he's going. I don't know what is causing it, but it looks completely well, disjointed. Yeah, you know where he's going. He's going to dribble into a pack of defenders but, and then turn around and pass the ball back up. Okay, back. but here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say to this, and this is something that people have to understand. The South American media corps did not get it wrong when Ezekiel Barco was voted one of the top young players in South America. He was on a South American team of this year last year. He was Independiente's main man in winning a Copa Sudamericana. I don't know if any team in Major League Soccer is winning the Copa Sudamericana right now. So it's not like he can't play. I don't know where the disconnect is. Is it he's not fitting into this group as they play, or he's not being used in the best way, or it's just a transition for a teenager in a new country? Doug, a couple other things I would add is um, 
Barco attracts a lot of attention because of the price tag. And by the way, the criticism is warranted because of that price tag. He's a professional athlete who commanded a huge transfer fee. That comes with the territory. Let's go back to the Chicago match last week where I thought there was no chemistry, no cohesion between Barco and McCann. Is that all on Barco? No. I don't necessarily think so. Today, Darlington Nagby, who's one of the most accurate passers in MLS, one of the best players on the dribble in MLS, the ball always seems to be glued to his feet. He couldn't dribble through the middle of the field today because it was in such bad condition. You know, I think Barco was kind of dealing with the same problem a little bit. It was very, very hard for Atlanta United to play through the middle today because of the condition of the pit. Now, both teams are playing on it. Toronto obviously won 4-1. I'm not trying to make excuses for Barco. I, 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 I hear you. And I'm going to defer to Jason's expertise when we debate the Barco question. But I would say that he's dealing with a few things that are not necessarily fully within his control right now. And I think playing with Almiron would make him a better player. I really, really believe that. I mean, honestly, I, I think what these last two matches have, has exposed, Doug, is how badly Atlanta United misses Miguel Almiron. Not anything about a deficiency in Ezekiel Barco's game. The one thing I would say about Barco that uh, I don't think gets said enough, if his name was Joe Smith and he was making $100,000 a year in this league, you wouldn't think anything about the way he's playing. I think it's that price tag and the hype that affects it and it, it's like Mike said, it's absolutely warranted. He's a professional, and he's making you know over a million dollars a year. I think he's number two or three in the team in salary, biggest transfer in league history. You would expect more from that. I don't know if Tata Martino and the club expected more because of the situation. That's the question that I don't know. But he didn't win Copa Sudamericana by accident. And he wasn't the key player for Independiente and in the South American team of the year by accident. So what's not connecting here is the question. Here's the thing about the price tag. Major League Soccer teams aren't going to spend $15 million on a 19-year-old just to keep them around. They want to develop them and sell them. And right now, it just doesn't look like anything's happening. And it's hard to see what could happen. Don't in my not, opinion. Don't, don't I, I disagree with that. And, and don't you think the sample size might be still a tad too small on that? It's a season. But it, it, it's not really. I mean, he, he missed the first, what, month plus? It, he, his first match was New York City, right, when he came on yeah. as a sub. That was, what, seven, eight matches into the year. He had the three-game whatever. Since then, he had been coming off the bench up until the last two. I think today was only, what, his 17th start of the year? Something like that. That's half a season. I'm with you. I mean, I I totally hear you, Doug, and we see it on social media. It's hard to ignore that that there are some legitimate critiques that can be levied towards him right now. I just don't know if we've seen the full sample size. I I would say this, though, to your point, Doug. Barco has had a chance to rewrite the narrative about him over the last two weeks. I don't think the narrative is, is necessarily one I agree with, but it exists. He's had the chance to rewrite that over the last two weeks. I feel Jason might disagree. I feel he has not done enough to rewrite. Re, I'm stuttering now. Rewrite that narrative, um, you know. And I'll, I'll kind of let that off to Jason. But yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he hasn't been a fifteen million dollar man. But also, one other thing to keep in mind is young players have a premium attached to them. You're always going to pay more for a 19-year-old than a 25- or 26-year-old of the same level because of that potential. I think minimum right now you're breaking even. 
minimum right now you're finding a, a South American club that would pay what you paid for him and they would take him off your hands immediately. Um, you want more than that, though. Mm-hmm. And next season, with a new manager coming in, there's a lot of questions as to what is the best group going to be going forward outside of other moves incoming outgoing. What would a new manager do with this team right now as it's currently constructed? We don't know. So is getting this team back on its football way as simple as Almiron's inclusion back in the starting 11, do you think? Maybe. Um, he gives you a spark that you didn't have today. I think you have to, if you're Tata Martino at this point, you're not trying to lead a revolution of how to play in this league. You're not trying to impose a style on anybody at this point. It's about lifting a trophy. And Tata Martino's been through this in Copa Libertadores. He's been through it in big moments. It's, I could care less about the style if it is two 1-0 wins and two scoreless draws going to MLS Cup. That's fine. It's getting there. I think this team has lost its ability currently to control a match and limit opportunities for the opposition. They have to find that again. That's where they were so dangerous in the middle of the year, that second run they had in the middle of the year, where it felt like they were suffocating opponents. They're not doing that right now. I also think a return to the 3-5-2. We saw in New York... When they were having positive moments against Red Bull, they were in the 3-5-2. I've long and, been a fan of the 3-5-2. Yeah, and, and then again today, I think when they switched into the 3-5-2, I mean, we, we got into the reasons why the scoreline got a little out of whack. Uh, I think you were doing some things in the 3 Honestly, when they had the lineup announced today, I was expecting it to be a 3-5-2. I was a little surprised it was a 4-2-3-1. So I, I think that might be a positive step, too. Yeah, I've long been a fan of the 3-5-2 because at least it's going to keep three guys back on defense all the time. They, I don't know. The, de- it's just, the whole thing's just messed up you, you can't, right now. If you play the four-two-three-one, you have to press and be disruptive in the other team's half. They're not doing that. If you can't do that, you have to play the three-five-two because it's safer. Right. And right now it's all about safety. I, like I said, I could care less. One goal in each series, you don't give anything up, you're going through to the final. That's all that matters. Okay, so Atlanta United could face one of three teams – uh, in the Eastern Conference semifinals, uh, NYCFC, um, DC. Uh, yeah, DC or Columbus. It cannot face Philadelphia. Uh, NYCFC, or I'm sorry, uh, Red Bulls will face the lowest remaining seed. Atlanta United will face the highest remaining seed. The first game will be November 4th. I'll be there. These guys will be there. The next game will be November 11th at Mercedes Benz Stadium, which is going to be uh, open. All the way, but if Atlanta United doesn't play any better than it played tonight, it could be a tough road when they get back to Mercedes-Benz. Jason, what do you have upcoming? Uh, we'll have overreaction Monday later <laughs> in the day tomorrow. Uh, overreaction Sunday is already upon us, and overreaction Monday we'll have some extra time to overreact. Uh, it'll be late in the afternoon uh, once we get back into Atlanta after morning flights. So soccerdownhere.net, and you can download the app on both iOS and Android. It's soccerdownhere.net? Yeah. I think I've been putting .com in every single podcast thing. It's .net. i got to fix that. Yeah. Mike, what do you have? (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, first I'm going to look for some Canadian Tylenol, and uh, then I'm going to plan ahead. I actually think – I think it's Tylenol, eh? Oh, eh, eh, yeah. Yeah, Hoser. Um, I'm actually looking ahead to the 
think likelihood I'm going to be doing a Falcons and an Atlanta United game on the same day on the same time. Holy moly. Because that's the plan right now. We do Fal- If the Falcons and Atlanta United are in D.C., looks like Atlanta United would play at night. Falcons at one, I would do both games. So uh, we're, I don't know. Poor dude. No, damn, it's two paychecks. I'm good. Can uh, you mime it out on the radio no, in case you no, lose your voice? No, no, God, no. I'll be fine. There. Okay. Um, look, it, one thing. One thing, really quick, and this is going to get lost in the mix of everything because we live in the moment. I think this is important. Sixty nine points. Yep. With a goal scorer who had thirty one goals this year and might be the league MVP, probably should be. This is a really awful way to end a great season. The goals for this club are still in front of them. Do you have as much confidence that they can achieve those goals now as you may have had a couple weeks ago? Hmm. Possibly not. But the goals are still in front of them. And I'm kind of with Jason. You go up to Yankee Stadium, pull a draw. You go up to um, you know D.C., pull a draw. This club is 10-0-1 this year following a loss or a draw. There's no reason to think that they can't bounce back quickly. Right. I mean, and... and Quite frankly, thank God they aren't playing Red Bulls in the conference semifinal. You know? no, I, yeah, I, I don't think the sky is falling, and I think this team can still easily win the MLS Cup. Uh, it's just a little odd that in some of the biggest road games in the past six weeks, yeah. the team has just not looked good at all. Martino tried to say that they played well against Red Bulls. I, I just I thought that they got out-intensified. And that game, and against DC United, I thought they didn't have any energy in that one either. But it's not a, it's not easy to win on the road in MLS, and B, you're at the point now where you can play for draws on the road. And That's those, true. Yeah, and those are two teams that I think combined have lost two games at home this season in DC yeah, no, 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 and New York. It, it's true. two of the best. It's more teams the, the, the quality of the performance. Oh no, absolutely. The that yeah. is a little concerning. DC was a little more concerning than New York to me because New York's just so good and yeah. such a style challenge. One question I have for you before we finish. Oh, and I do think Barco is going to be a good player. Yeah. I'm just not sure it's going to be in Major League Soccer right now. I- and I know that sounds odd, no, but I just don't think physically it it's a good match for him. It's a different style of play. I don't. I don't think it's physical. Maybe in the sense that that you're thinking, because the South American League is very physical. I think it's more stylistic, and I think the the way the game is played, the approach. They're both physical, but in completely different ways. I think like hard challenges. He's going to get that anywhere. But some of the things in terms of running and tracking back and and playing a complete game. You've got to have the right manager to put you in a free role and protect you and let you do it. Not every manager is going to give you that free reign, especially the way the modern game is played. What question do you have for me? Um, reports out of L.A. are that after the match with the Galaxy, Zlatan and both Dos Santos brothers didn't take questions and left before media came in. Right. Has anybody? Has any of that ever happened with this group? Uh, the road games are... are- was it, that home games are different. This was a yeah. home game for them. Yeah, home games that has happened once. Uh, there are plenty of times that players wouldn't take questions. Sure. Uh, only one time to memory do I know of a player that I wanted to talk to left before the end of the game, and that was Martinez last year. There have been other times I know Viaba has left before the media got in. There are a lot of other examples of players that I've, you've looked around when you walked in. And their locker's already cleaned out, and they're gone. It does happen sometimes, um, though. But into the season, no. Okay. No, that's uh, 
That was surprising. Yeah, the Dos Santos brothers have been, to me, a colossal waste of money. Absolutely. By the galaxy. Jonathan's been fine, but he wouldn't have been there if Giovanni wasn't there. Right. And Giovanni's been maybe one of the he's, worst designated player signings in MLS. Yeah, he's, he's I, I wrote this week, he's a guy without a position, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it, it's been true everywhere he's been. Yeah. Um, so anyway, okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. I've already posted the game story. I posted a playoff story. I posted Martino and... Guzana Parker saying that Martino's decision did not affect them. I'll have a story posted later tonight or tomorrow morning on how they can bounce back from this. Uh, trying to decide if I'm even going to do player ratings. It almost seems like a waste of time cool. at this point. Um, Jason, where can they follow you on Twitter? Long shoot. Soccer down here. Dot net. Dot net. Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mike Conti 929. And you can follow me at Doug Robertson AJC on Twitter. On Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And I hope you'll subscribe to the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. Coming to you from BMO Field in beautiful Toronto, Canada, where Atlanta United lost 4-1 to in the biggest game of the season.